Matthew chapter 2 is not the traditional Christmas story. Okay, that would be found in, does anyone know what chapter of the Bible the traditional Christmas story is found? It is in chapter 2 of another book. Thank you, Beth. It is found in Luke chapter 2, but in today we're going to look at Matthew chapter 2, and of course we're doing that on purpose. And we're calling today's lesson a not-so-silent night, because in Matthew chapter 2, things go a little bit differently than you might expect. And it's going to be sort of the unknown version of the Christmas story, but also very powerful. We're going to look at sort of the, the evil that took place on that day and how God conquered it. So a not-so-silent night is the title of our lesson today. We'll be looking at the entire chapter, Matthew chapter 2, and reading the narrative there. But before we get there, of course, it's Christmas time, and I love to do top tens, and now I'm doing... Christmas top tens, although last week's was pretty silly and pretty hilarious. I'm not going to be able to match that probably, but I'm going, to, I'm going to ask you this question. Did you ever get a Christmas present you weren't so thrilled about? That's a silly question because it happens every year. And we all have that little bit of acting ability, don't we? Most of us. The nice ones. Who can open up a gift that we're not thrilled about and go, oh, tube socks. Yes, I haven't worn those since the 90s, but let's do that again. Um, we all have that little bit of an acting ability, but whatever that was, go back in your childhood and remember those gifts that were just a little bit off, and I'm going to give you my top 10 worst Christmas present fails or knockoffs, okay? These are Christmas presents, especially as children, and I'm using my childhood as the basis for these, that you don't want to open, okay? And sometimes you do open them, and you have to be nice, and you still have to say thank you. But if you could educate your grandparents and parents growing up, you would say, don't get me these. I don't want these. These are the top 10 of those, okay? Top 10 Christmas present knockoffs. The first category we're going to look at today is board games. Now, I want someone to shout it out. What's your favorite board game? Monopoly. Monopoly. That's the classic one. Anybody else? Different? Risk? Clue? Monopoly, everybody. Candyland shoots and ladders. Here is the board game version of the Christmas present knockoff. You were going to open a, a present on Christmas morning and your grandparents said, I wanted to get you a board game. This is what you don't want to find. Um, <laughs> we have the Twister knockoff, I believe, called Don't Fall Down. Someone very clever came up with that. When I grew up, there was always Bible versions of stuff. Did anyone else grow up in those circles where there was something you wanted and then a grandparent said, well, I see that you want that. But I also want you to be a Christ follower, so I'm going to find the Bible version of that. So there's Bibleopoly for those people who are looking for that. And then my favorite. <laughs> you remember the game of life, right? And because of trademarks, you know, you can't just name it whatever you want, call it a game of life. So they sat down around a round table and came up with the game of existence. Same concept, but we're just existing together and we go around and that, that's probably a really weird game. So don't get that for any of your loved ones. Here's number nine. Now, when I grew up, I was really into action figures, and my kids are still into action figures. Action figures have stood the test of time. But these are the action figures, again, you don't want to find. You want to find the classic ones, the Batman, the Superman, the Spider-Man, all the Marvel characters. Here's ones to not get your kids. Um, Batachica? I don't really know what's going on there. That might be a female version of Batman. I don't know exactly. The middle one is very strange. Can someone read that? A boy deformation? I got nothing. I have no idea what was going on there. And then my children, my twins especially, love Godzilla. Don't you guys? Godzilla is your favorite toy. 
If they opened Big Fella on Christmas Day, I would be in trouble. I would be running for the hills. Big Fella would not get it done, okay? And you got to love the names of some of these. Now, here's number eight. Number eight is for those who like designer names, okay? Designer brands, okay? There's some designer brands out there, and then there's some, some ones that are a little bit off. So here's some uh, knockoff designer brands that are just as interesting. We have, now the first one is probably a little hard to see. I believe it's a North Face knockoff. Can anyone read what it says? The Huge Mountain. <laughs> Once again, what's the brainstorm going on there? The Huge Mountain. The middle one there, I believe, is like an Aqua de Gio knockoff. It's just called Aquarius. <laughs> and then if you get a gift card in your stocking and it says Dolce and Banana, you want to run out right away and use that gift card because there's going to be some sweet stuff at the Dolce and Banana Outlet store. So there's some designer brand knockoffs. Boy, those are awesome. Here's number seven. These are always fun. Kids love video games, right? Video games. In fact, video games are hard to mess up. Every time I got a video game from someone growing up, it was, it was, it was, at least it was a video game. It was something I could put in, in a cartridge and play it. But there is a way to mess up video games because I found these. Um, we have the Wii Wii. So many jokes I want to tell right now. I just, I just can't as a pastor. And then the phony. I'm, and you got to give it to the phony people. They're not lying. No one can sue them. Sony can't sue them. They literally put phony on the controller. So you, there it is. If you want to disappoint your children, get them the Wii Wii and the phony. Uh, here's number six. Now, number six is probably more of a current one. Video games were big when I was a kid, but now kids want to open some cell phones, right? Or at least teenagers do, and everyone really wants to get a cell phone. Here's a couple cell phones you don't want to get. And I put a couple contrasts up here. You'll know why. Um, we have the Goo Phone, the i5S Goo Phone, and I love that they're preparing for it. I love that they're, like, getting you excited for it. Like, it's coming soon, everybody. Get ready for the Goo Phone. And then my favorite that you should never get me it is the Blackberry. They just reversed the A and the E, I believe, and there we have the Blackberry. Yeah, the black, don't get me the Blackberry. I love Blackberry, but I don't want the Blackberry. So there's a couple cell phone knockoffs. Here's number five. Also a big fan of these growing up was shoes. Every boy loves shoes, especially. Elijah, you love shoes, right? Is, what's your favorite brand? That was kind of like. Two years ago? Okay. Does anyone like shoes? <laughs> Kevin, a big shoe fan? Are you a shoe fan? No? Okay. I was growing up. I wanted the Air Jordans, though. Okay? I didn't always get the Air Jordans. They were a little expensive. But Nike was almost as good. But not these. <laughs> Mikey and Heike? I don't know if it's Mike and Hike or Mikey and Heike. I don't know what's going on there. And even You notice something different about the swoosh? Looks a little like a fish hook. Something's going on there. They don't want to be sued, so they put a little bit of fish hook in the, in the, in the swoosh. What is it? A spike. That's right. It's a thorn. It's a thorn is what it is. But, uh, and the Mikeys are pretty used. So find those at your nearest garage sale. Here's number four. If you're into movies, if you're a movie fan, back in the day when we would buy movies for people, right? That does, does that happen still? Does anyone still buy DVDs for their friends? You do? Yeah. Some people still have them. I could dig up a DVD player if someone gave it to me, but I don't want these ones. Transformers was big for a while, but not deformed car. 
once again what's going on there. The second one, I believe there's a movie with the exact title only reversed. Am I right? This is the dragon with the girl tattoo. And for some reason, Adam Roberts is in it. And it's really big and bold. I have no idea who that is. But he wants you to know he's the star of that movie. And then the classic movie Up, which we all love and cherish. You could also get What's Up? Balloon to the Rescue. So there's some special movies for your kids this year. Here's uh, number three. Anyone do stocking stuffers? Stockings. Stockings along with the presents. Typically, stockings will have smaller gifts, sometimes candy in them. Here are some candy knockoffs. Okay, these are brilliant. <laughs> Just look at those for a moment, okay? And picture again, picture a round table of people trying to come up with names for knockoff candy, and that's what they come up with. Kit Rat. Kit Rat. Like, that's going to be pleasant. Snipers for the sniper in your family. And then the last one, help me out with that one. Is it Buddha or Butta? Buttafinger? Buttafinger. Okay. I, I didn't know if they were going for like a religious thing there, like Buddha finger. But I think Buttafinger is probably what they're trying for. Buttafinger. Okay. Here's number two. Restaurants. If you guys are going out for Christmas or Christmas Eve or something like that, you don't want to cook, here's some things you could take your, your, uh, your loved ones to. In the morning, you could, all, you could all go through the line at Donkey Donuts. Get your favorite Donkey Donut. Uh, for snack and for a drink, you could hit, hit up the 911, because that's not weird at all. I'll see you at the 911. We'll get some kind of weird Twin Tower Slurpee. And then we got a pizza hat for lunch. And then for dinner, what is going on there? Obama fried chicken? OFC. Where is that? That sounds a little weird. Don't go to OFC. And number one is a little personal to me. Well, number one, you're going to have to be a little creative because number one is the worst knockoff that ever existed. Does anyone else have a birthday near Christmas? When is your birthday? Tuesday. Oh, wow. Okay. Good to know. Um, when you have a birthday around Christmas, what typically happens is you get a hybrid birthday and Christmas. My parents convincing me today this never happened, but I remember specifically people saying to me, now, Todd, if your Christmas presents seem chintzy or you have less than your brother and sister, I know it thinks that way, it seems that way, but remember, four days from now is your birthday, and you'll have them all then. So that's kind of what I grew up growing up. Did you grow up with anything similar to that where it was kind of like, after nine? So it was, it was a merry birthday, um, a Christmas birthday. I love the little meme there from Kermit when someone says, this present is for Christmas and your birthday. That's kind of the look you give them. <laughs> Top 10 Christmas present knockoffs. Maybe you guys are going to get some of those weird presents this year or give those weird presents. And there's some, there's some ones to prepare you for it. But today we're going to look at a non-traditional Christmas story, okay? Not a knockoff. This is the non-traditional version. This is a version that you find in your Bible about the very night Jesus Christ came to the earth and Jesus Christ was born. But it's a different take. If you notice Matthew chapter 2, we're going to read this entire narrative. And I want you to notice the not-so-silent night. Okay, follow with me in Matthew chapter 2. It's going to be on the screen. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, 
Behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it arose and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent, to them, he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word so that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star that had, the, excuse me, the star that they had seen when it arose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening in their treasures, they offered him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. Now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Rise, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt, and remain there until I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. And he rose and took the child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt, and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet out of Egypt, I called my son. Then Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, became furious. And he sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem and all that in that region who were under two years old or, young, or, or younger, excuse me, two years old or under, according to the time that he ascertained from the wise men. Then what was fulfilled by the, what was fulfilled, what was spoken by the prophet Jeremiah, a voice was heard in Ramah, weeping in loud lamentation. Ra Rachel weeping for her children. She refused to be comforted because they are no more. But when Herod died, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Rise, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel. For those who sought the child's life are dead. And he rose and took the child and his mother and went to the land of Israel. And when he heard that, Archelaus was reigning over Judea in the place of his father Herod. He was afraid to go there, and being warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee. And he went and lived in a city called Nazareth, so that what was spoken by the prophets might be fulfilled, that he would be called a Nazarene. Isn't that interesting? That's an interesting story. We're calling today's lesson a not-so-silent night. Now, I have not a lot against the song, A Silent Night, okay? But... Based on what we're going to hear and learn today, it's going to be a very different picture than maybe what you're used to when you think about the birth of Jesus Christ. We know a few things about the story, though. It's a classic story. It's almost so classic, and we hear it so many times. Pastors like me have a difficult time coming up with a creative way to teach that story because you've all heard it ad nauseum. We've heard about the visit of the angel to Joseph and Mary. We've heard about the shepherds and their flocks with their flocks at night getting visited by myriads of angels in their fields. We've heard about the wise men bringing gifts to the baby Messiah of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. We know there was no room in the inn for Jesus, so Jesus had to be born in a stable in a manger next to stinky animals. And according to last week's lesson, we know why that happened. 
It happened so that the perfect lamb could come and save us from our sins. It's very important. Every detail of the Christmas story is very important. But there's one part of the story that often gets overlooked. And it's the evil that shrouded that night. We hear songs like Silent Night and O Holy Night. And we typically think that all was calm and all was bright. Now Jesus' earthly father, when he heard that the baby Jesus was coming, he had a reaction to that news. Jesus' earthly mother, Mary, when she found out that the baby Jesus was arriving, had a reaction to that news. The shepherds, the wise men, had a reaction to the news of baby Jesus arriving. But you also know who had a reaction to the news of baby Jesus arriving? It was the devil. Satan himself had a reaction to the news of baby Jesus arriving. And we know by now that there is a spiritual battle raging on in this world between the spiritual forces of evil and the church of Jesus Christ. But did you know that on the very first Christmas night, it was anything but silent? Because the spiritual warfare was about as intense as it's ever been. The baby Messiah was set to be born, and his intentions, we just sang about it, was to save the world from Satan's power when we were gone astray. O tidings of comfort and joy. But the devil was not going to let this happen easily. Just as the end of Jesus' life was characterized by brutal attacks from Satan, so was the birth of Jesus. But you see, Satan cannot directly fight physical with physical. He's a spirit. The devil is an evil spirit. He cannot fight physical Jesus with a physical body unless he influences someone who is upon the earth, who is physical. And that's exactly what he was going to do. Enter stage right, King Herod. Now, what do we know about King Herod? I'm sure we've heard about King Herod at some moment in our life, maybe during the Christmas story. But who was King Herod? King Herod was the king of Judea. And ironically, his name was called Herod the Great. Herod the Great. He was raised Jewish. This might tempt us to think that King Herod would be excited to meet his Messiah. Excited to meet the king of the Jews, who was foretold for thousands of years. In fact, the prophecy of the birth of the Messiah went this way. We know this right before baby Jesus was born. It said this, He will be great, and he will be called Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. That's the prophecy about the baby Christ. Jesus was going to be King Herod's king forever. And his Messiah, his Christ, his Savior. And from one king to another, and being raised a Jew, Herod should have been excited for this news. For the Messiah and the king to be born. But little did Herod know he was going to be acting like the devil's evil puppet. You see, Herod was concerned with his own kingdom, his own glory. He was not concerned with the coming Messiah. He was in a position of significant power, maybe the most power upon the earth. And that combination had the devil salivating because he knew he could easily influence Herod to see the baby Jesus as a threat to his kingdom instead of the savior of it. And evidently, if you read the story, it didn't take much convincing. 
And you'll know this if you've been around Christianity long enough or know your own soul when someone is under the influence of evil. They become determined to do what they desire regardless of who they have to hurt along the way. Isn't it true? When someone is determined to do evil, they will actually feel justified as if it's right and just even though they have to hurt countless people in order to accomplish it. It's a classic trap of the devil, and Herod was going to step directly into the trap. Let's read it again. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the, kings of Herod, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and we have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and the scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. And they told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly, and he ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. And after listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star that they had seen when it arose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. If you notice it, it's very easy to see. Currently in history, Herod was now acting like the evil puppet of the devil. He heard the same exciting news that Joseph heard. He heard the same exciting news that Mary heard. The same exciting news that the shepherds and the wise men heard that the baby Christ was about to be born. But Joseph, Mary, the shepherds, and the wise men were all excited, even elated at the news of the birth of baby Jesus. But King Herod was troubled. Troubled by that news. Maybe even threatened by that news. And the reason for this is obvious. People were calling Jesus the Messiah, the king of the Jews. And who was their current king? Herod. And Herod was being influenced by Satan's schemes to destroy the baby Jesus before he could save and shepherd the world to the kingdom of heaven. Both Satan and Herod saw their opportunity and they pounced. Now there's a lot to unpack here, but I want you to notice this first thing from this story. I want you to notice the conspiring that's taking place between Herod and the Jewish religious leaders. And it should remind you of another event when people conspired against Jesus Christ. Because just as there was conspiring at the end of Jesus' life to crucify him some 30 years later, there was also conspiring at the beginning of his life to destroy him. But perhaps the most striking detail of this story is that King Herod and the religious Jewish leaders knew that Jesus was indeed the Messiah. How do we know this? Listen to what it says. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. And this is their answer. 
They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet. And you, O Bethlehem, are in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Is that striking to you? They knew the prophecy about the Christ. They knew that he was foretold to be born in Bethlehem. But why is this significant? Big deal. Here's why it's significant. They were going to spend the rest of their lives rejecting this Jesus. We know the rest of the story, right? These religious leaders, many of the Jews, were going to spend the rest of their life rejecting Jesus Christ, refusing to believe that he was the long-awaited Messiah. And even today, unfortunately, many Jews refuse to believe that Jesus is the Messiah. Even though he matched the prophecy about the Messiah word for word. But big deal. Some people believe in Jesus and some people don't. But that is not what we're dealing with here today. They did believe. They did believe that Jesus was the Messiah for the very fact that they knew where he was going to be born based on the prophecy written about him hundreds of years before he was born. If this was a trial, we would be able to have a smoking gun from their own words. You did know this was a Messiah. You said it and you testified to it. And I want you to consider that. They knew exactly who the Messiah was, where he was going to be born, and where they could find him so they could destroy him. Does that sound like disbelief or belief? It's belief. If they did not believe, then the prophecy would not matter because Jesus was not the Messiah. So he, it doesn't matter what the prophecy said because Jesus isn't the Messiah. He could be born literally anywhere. But no, he was born in Bethlehem. They knew where to find him because he was the Christ. And the point being is this. When evil has taken shape in our hearts and minds, we can't think or act logically anymore. We can't. We're driven by our own selfish motives to get what we want at any cost. And this right here defines King Herod. So Herod collects as much information as he can from the wise men so that he might destroy the baby Messiah. And interestingly, he does so under the cloak of deception of wanting to worship him. He wanted to worship the baby Christ. He had no intention of worship. He only had intention of destruction. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem saying, Go and search diligently for the child and when you have found him, bring me word that I may come and worship him. And after listening to the king, they went on their way. Now most of us are familiar with the Christmas story, especially the part about the wise men. <laughs> The wise men go on a great journey to find the baby Messiah so they can worship him. Now, I want you to look at that far side. I don't know if you can read that. This has always been one of my favorites. Um, the wise men find themselves at a bar and grill, and the guy says to them, Oh, yeah, more like three wise guys, I'd say. Um, Dan laughed. He's the only one who gets it. Just teasing. I just like that. But what do we know about the wise men? Here's some things about the wise men that I think are interesting. Okay, I kind of looked up some information from BibleInfo.com. And this is what I found about the wise men, okay? Now, there's some debate whether there actually was three wise men or not. There could have been two. There could have been 12. Nobody really knows, but there were three gifts, so we all assume there must have been three wise men. But listen, this is what it says from BibleInfo.com. The three wise men, also known as magi, were men belonging to various educated classes. 
Our English word magician comes from the same root. But these wise men were not magicians in the modern sense of sleight of hand performers. They were noble birth, educated, wealthy, and influential. They were philosophers, the counselors of rulers, learned in all wisdom of the ancient East. The wise men who came seeking the Christ child were not idolaters. They were upright men of integrity. They had apparently studied the Hebrew scriptures and found there was a clear transcript of truth. In particular, the messianic prophecies of the Old Testament must have claimed their attention. And among these, they found the words of Balaam, The star shall come out of Jacob. A scepter shall rise out of Israel. They certainly were acquainted with the prophecy of Micah, which says, But you, Bethlehem, Ephratath, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one ruler of Israel. They probably also knew and understood the time prophecy of Daniel regarding the appearance of the Messiah, and they came to the conclusion that his coming was near. On the night of Christ's birth, a mysterious light appeared in the sky, which became a luminous star that persisted in the western heavens. Impressed with its import, the wise men turned once more to the sacred scrolls. As they tried to understand the meaning of the sacred writings, they determined to go search for the Messiah. Like Abraham, they knew not at first where they were going, but followed the guiding star to lead them on their way. And the bright star brought the wise men to the place where Jesus was born. This is what it says in Matthew 2. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now notice the contrast between King Herod and the wise men. The wise men, unlike King Herod, and unlike religious Jewish leaders at the time, were pure in their motives. They wanted to meet the Christ child, and they wanted to worship him with gifts. And that's exactly what they did. And they were also seemingly unaware of Herod's motives to destroy the Christ child. But aren't you thankful God is sovereign? Aren't you thankful that God cannot be defeated or thwarted by evil? He was never going to let the baby Jesus be harmed, was he? Therefore, God sent the three wise men all the very same dream. Imagine that. You wake up from a dream, and your two buddies had the exact same dream. That they should not take the word about the Christ back to Herod. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. And that could be the end of the story. Herod, under Satan's influence, wanted to destroy the Christ child, and God intervened and didn't allow it to happen. And that would be a nice, happy ending to our story. But it's not, because the passage continues. Now, when they departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Rise, take the child and his mother, and flee to Egypt, and remain there until I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. And he rose and took the child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet out of Egypt, I called my son. Then Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, became furious and he sent and killed all the male children 
in Bethlehem and all in that region who were two years old and under, according to the time that he had ascertained from the wise men. Then was fulfilled what was spoken by the prophet Jeremiah. A voice was heard in Ramah weeping in loud lamentation, weeping for her children. She refused to be comforted because they are no more. Do you see the spiritual warfare raging on in this chapter? Does the night seem silent to you? Does it seem like the phrase, peace on earth, goodwill to men, is taking place yet? Herod is determined to kill the baby Jesus, and he was going to persist until the job was done. Because when Satan sees a threat to his kingdom, he's not going to back down easily. He's not. He knew that Jesus was actually, absolutely going to ruin his plan for ultimate control of the world. So Jesus had to be stopped before he could save mankind and fatally wound Satan's kingdom. So when the wise men don't return to Herod, he realized they tricked him. Because that wasn't in their character. They would have returned and they would have given him word of where the Christ child was, but they didn't. So Herod becomes furious. When evil is thwarted, it often does not back down, but it will become all the more determined to accomplish evil. Just look around our world. So Herod decided that he had one play left. He decreed that all male children under two living in Bethlehem should be killed, hoping that he would also get baby Jesus. Yes, Herod accomplished much evil under the influence of Satan, but their ultimate plan to destroy the Savior of the world was thwarted and unsuccessful because God sent another message through a dream, this time to Jesus' earthly dad, Joseph. And because Joseph and Mary had been God's servants their entire lives and because they were staying very near the Lord during these days, both physically and spiritually, because baby Jesus was literally, literally their baby, they knew the message that they received in a dream came from God, and they knew that they should obey his word. So they fled to Egypt for refuge and safety until King Herod was dead. In other words, Herod was not going to stop searching for the Christ child until he was dead. Herod was not going to give up. But Joseph and Mary listened to God, and God kept Jesus and his parents safe from the vicious attacks of the devil. And this proves to us today that God's will, regardless of evil's determination to thwart it, cannot be accomplished. Excuse me, will be accomplished. I said that backwards. Now Jesus is in safe harbor in Egypt until King Herod's death. And Satan was not going to be victorious over the baby Messiah. Let's finish the story. But when Herod died, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Rise, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel. For those who sought the child's life are dead. And he rose and took the child and his mother and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning over Judea in the place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. And being warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee. And he went and lived in a city called Nazareth, so that what was spoken by the prophets might be fulfilled, that he would be called a Nazarene. Do you see how none of this is random? Do you see how all of these events are matched by the prophecy about the Christ child, that he would be a Nazarene? It sounds kind of like it's happening on the spot, like everything's made up as we go. 
But most of us knew that Jesus grew up in Galilee, in a city called Nazareth. But here we discover why that happened. God was protecting Jesus and his parents the entire way, was he not? We have the benefit of hindsight. We can go back and go, oh, I see why he had to be born in Nazareth, or had to raise in Nazareth. But none of this was being made up along the way. It was all a part of God's sovereign plan. See, according to prophecy, Jesus is always going to be raised in Nazareth. He was always going to be a Nazarene from Galilee. Because Jesus is the Messiah. He is the perfect Lamb of God that was sent into the world. And so God, even though it looked bad for a while, got the knockout punch. If you read this story, you can be tempted to think that perhaps God had to come up with a plan at the last second to save baby Jesus. But if you read the prophecies about baby Jesus, about the Messiah, you can find out that God's plan went according to plan every step of the way. Why is that important? Because God is sovereign. And even though evil is determined and vicious and relentless in their pursuit, God's plan cannot be thwarted. It cannot be redirected. God is going to get the knockout punch against evil. And every single prophecy about the Messiah was fulfilled that was written about Jesus hundreds of years before he was born, even though evil was doing its absolute best to destroy Jesus. Now, that's an interesting story, is it not? The silent night that we all sing about was not silent at all. When you hear the phrase, all is calm and all is bright, don't believe it. All was not calm and all was not bright. But what's the point of the story? What is the point of the story? I want to give you three powerful truths to end on about the not-so-silent night, okay? Three powerful truths that we learn from this story. Here's number one. And I hope you saw that very, very clearly because it's very clear in the text. Jesus is the Messiah. There's no debate. Even Herod and Satan believe it. Did you know that? The people who hate Jesus most know he's the Messiah. So much they wanted to destroy him. Jesus is the Messiah and Savior of the world. This entire story is full of fulfilled prophecy about the Christ child. He matched what was foretold about him hundreds and thousands of years before he actually came to the earth. Isn't that amazing? Jesus is the Christ. And that should seal it in our minds forever. Jesus is the only Savior of the world from God, and I want you to look to none other, okay? It is Jesus only Jesus for the rest of eternity. Never deviate your eyes. Never look to anyone else. He is the Christ. He is the Messiah. It was proven. It is fact. And I want you to take it to the rest of your life. Okay, here's number two. Evil cannot and will not win. Now, many times in this passage, it looks like evil's ahead. You ever been watching one of your favorite sports teams and they're down by 20, 30, 40 points and you're tempted to turn the game off? I've done that because I've been a, man, a fan of Michigan football for a long time, and I've turned many a game off because I gave up. In fact, I'm also a Tom Brady fan, and it was like three, two or three Super Bowls ago. He was down 28 to 3 at halftime, and I'm not a very good fan because I turned the game off. I turned it off because I'm like, it's over. I don't want to waste my time, and if any of you know the rest of the story, it was the best comeback that's ever happened in the history of football. Anyways, my point is this. 
Even though you read Matthew 2 and it looks like evil's ahead, evil's winning, evil's going to get this done. God is sovereign. He's always, always, always in control, even when it looks like the opposite. And it also proves to us this. We had better be on the right team. We had better be on the right team. When the buzzer sounds, God is always going to win. And today we had better make sure that we are not on the side of evil, but with Jesus. Because evil is going to lose. God is going to win. And there's no question about it. Here's number three. This is the story of the best present you have ever received. And I want you to treasure this story. And I want you to treasure this Savior. Because it took a hefty cost to bring it to us. Guys, this is the genuine article. You know how we started this with a silly top ten about knockoffs. Okay? Jesus is the genuine article. He's the Savior, the Messiah of the world. And there is no other. There is no knockoff. There is no plan B. If you don't have Jesus, you're doomed. If you have Jesus, you have eternal life right now and forever. Treasure Jesus. No, there was no peace on earth that first Christmas night, but there can be peace in our souls. Thanks to God's Son being born, thanks to Jesus raising up learning everything he learned, doing all of God's will, and then heading his way to Calvary to give up his life so that you and I could have salvation. If you desire that peace in your soul with God, then you could have it today. And that peace, as we've learned over the past few weeks, will even help you in the midst of horrible storms. When life is the rockiest, when the storms look vicious and intense, and if they're going to kill you, the peace is there. The peace is stable. The peace is steadfast. And God reminds you, I don't lose. I don't lose. If you trust in me, if you go my way, if you believe in me, you won't lose either. You can have that peace in your soul today if you simply treasure Jesus and give him your life. That's the story of the not-so-silent night, and what came from that is the most glorified story that's ever been told that we call the gospel. But it started out rocky, didn't it? Like most stories, it starts out a little rocky, but at the end, it's glorified. And that's going to be the story of every one of us if we follow Jesus. It's Right now, it's a little rocky. It's a little hard to see how the, win, how the victory is going to happen, but if you believe Scripture and you believe your God, the victory is coming soon. And I want us to all hang our hats upon that today. Merry Christmas to everybody. Merry Christmas to all of you. Merry Christmas to your loved ones. I hope this season is a wonderful time with your friends and family, but please remember the cost of what Jesus gave to you so that you could have salvation and eternal life with God. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you. I thank you for the gift of our Lord Jesus. We only scratched the surface today looking at this amazing story, these amazing events that took place on the very night Jesus was born. What opposition, what danger. And yet, Father, you were always in control. It says you scoff and laugh at those who do evil. You set up kings, you take down kings. 
You're in the heavens right now laughing at evil, as if evil is going to win, and we know better. We should know better. Evil cannot win. Evil will never win. Father, help us to side with Jesus in every area of our life because he is the Savior. It's been proven. It's fact. And we know it in our souls. Father, help us treasure him and love him and serve him for the rest of our days because one day the final buzzer will sound and Jesus will win forever. I thank you and I praise you for this Christmas gift. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.